Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. For many people, the introduction of Buy Now, Pay Later apps was a quick an easy way to access credit for discretionary spending. Over the last few years, we've seen a boom in the number and scale of these kinds of apps, with companies like Afterpay and Zip leading the charge in Australia. With higher merchant fees and less regulation, Buy Now Pay Later has become an attractive proposition for both banks and credit card companies, and also for tech giants like Apple, who are soon launching their own Buy Now Pay Later product. Today on the show, we explore the Buy Now Pay Later boom, what the risks are, and how the industry should be regulated. Joining me in the studio is Thomas Mattis, lecturer at the Finance Department at the UTS Business School, and Nikesh Lalchandani, Head of Policy at the Emerging Payments Association of Asia. Thomas, Nikesh, welcome to Think Business Futures. Thanks for inviting us. Happy to be here. Thanks, Jeffo. Now, Thomas, let's start with you. We're talking about buy now, pay later schemes, and I think that everyone should know what they're a bit about but I don't use them. So for the layperson, Thomas, what are these buy now, pay later schemes and how do they work? Well, buy now, pay later providers, they offer you to they let you buy something um, upfront and then paying for it over time. Okay. Right? So there's this instant gratification that you get as a consumer where you get to take the product home, then you pay for it back in typically four installments ranging from four through eight weeks. So I want to contextualize this. Many people listening to this podcast or listening to this broadcast will know that. Um, but essentially, it's a form of debt, right? Mm. According to regulation, it's not credit, but it is a form of debt, even if it doesn't feel like that when you're in the app and you are making these purchases with this uh, payment option. Mm. Okay. Nikesh, how do, these, how do these companies make their money? A big chunk of the revenue comes from the merchant surcharge that they apply, right? So three or four percent, which is quite quite high, especially when you consider, you know, credit cards are around one point six percent, and you know, over the years there's been a big uh, uproar against that. But um, I think, uh, yeah, the three or four percent that uh, the buy now pay later uh, organisations make is is quite significant. Yeah, a lot more than uh, the alternatives. Okay. Let's talk about how this industry has grown over recent years. When did we start seeing the emergence of Buy Now, Pay Later? And who are some of the big players, Thomas? Buy Now, Pay Later really took off in 2016 when uh, one of the major companies was was listed. Uh, Major players include Afterpay, ZipPay, Latitude. But there's there's over 10 Buy Now, Pay Later companies being listed on the ASX, which is a huge... Uh, amount of amount of companies when you think about it i don't think there's any other country in the world where you have so many buy now pay later companies let alone that they reach such a size that they actually get listed on the uh, on the ASX mm, that's right and one of, one of the early ones was actually an australian company openpay sadly they did not do as well as uh, some of the, some of the more popular ones mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, yeah look it was quite an innovative idea at the time you see i think it came at a time when it was really difficult to get credit, especially for young people. It's almost impossible for a young person who's got their first income to get a credit card. You know, by offering uh, people who didn't necessarily have the money in their wallet 
an opportunity to buy something that they could normally not afford. Uh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's an, an innovative product in a way, but in a way it's real. It's not really, right? It's a consumer finance product. It's similar to payday lenders where, you know, it, you can buy something mm. and pay for it later. It's just that they, the buy now, pay later providers, they make use of this particular loophole in national uh, credit laws that says, well, you know, this is debt, sure, but it's not really credit because credit defined under the, the national credit law is where you charge interest. And technically, they don't charge interest. They offer 0% loans and you only pay, you are unable to uh, pay pay uh, pay back the loan amount. Right? Yeah, you have late fees. Uh, exactly. I think, I think it was a sneaky way to get around the regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was tough regulations around credit, as you said. Uh, over here, what they tried to do was um, provide credit without really providing credit. So it was uh, sort of an obfuscation mm-hmm. of credit in a way. And they did a few things that were a little bit sneaky. Like number one was the assessment. Uh, you know, publicly people thought, okay, they're making these, these great assessments of um, individuals who are able to ascertain uh, how much they can take out in debt. But really all they were doing was doing an ID check to ensure that they were real people. Right. They weren't assessing whether they could pay it back, what their income was, and all that sort of thing. So it was a little little bit little bit sneaky, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nikesh, you mentioned before also, you know, that it gave people an opportunity to buy things when they really didn't have the money to do so. But what are some other reasons as to why we've seen buy now pay later become so popular? Well one one big reason was many of many of the merchants, uh, when they offered the buy now pay later option discovered that the channel provided 30% of their sales. So um, that was quite significant. Now, as it, as it turns out, was that 30% a cannibalization of other mm. uh, channels, like, for example, credit or debit card, number one? Number two, was it short-lived, right? So obviously people all of a sudden, and we, we saw this actually with the introduction of credit cards many years ago, people all of a sudden had money they didn't have before and they were able to make their first purchases. Now, that over time caught up with them, uh, but initially there was this uh, huge surge of spending in retailers and, and the retailers loved it and they were very happy to pay the 3 or 4% uh, merchant service fee that was levied at the merchants. Nikesh, remind us the difference between merchant fees for credit cards uh, versus buy now, pay later. Yeah, so merchant fees for credit cards are around 1.6% roughly, uh, and they're going down. The RBA is trying to push it to zero, actually. And and over time, I think we will see those um, fees come down to something very low. Now, buy now, pay later was at 3 or 4%, which is... A, you know, several times greater than that. Now, I think I think the key difference there, um, from a merchant's point of view, is the credit cards were old. They were used to them. People were going to buy stuff anyway, and 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 they were annoyed at having to pay one point six percent. With buy now pay later, they thought they were getting more sales, right? So they were more than willing to pay the extra two uh, or three percent mm. to get that extra revenue coming in. Um, as it turned out, was it really extra revenue mm. or was it just a prepayment of uh, spending uh, that ultimately um, equalized uh, at the end of the day? Do we have any answers to that question at the moment? And are uh, you know, merchants, are retailers reacting to that question with the types of buy now, pay later services that they, that they allow customers to use and things like that? 
Yeah, look, I think there are a couple of things that, that, that are interesting. Number one, that, that service fee, as you said, um, is very high. Uh, as people get more used to it, as there's more competition, merchants are going to be increasingly wary about spending that sort of money. The other thing that merchants have discovered is that rather than go through a buy now, pay later vendor, and some of them have done this, they can just charge the credit card themselves four times, right? So that's what Buy Now, Pay Later does. Right. It charges you once on the day that you purchase it, um, a, a portion in a couple of weeks or a month, and um, generally it's about four payments. Uh, what merchants have discovered is that why don't they do that themselves? Instead of charging up front the full amount, you know, why don't they charge as, as they go? And they've got the credit card, they've got your credit card number, so they know that, you know, you're secure for the payment. So a lot of a lot of um, merchants are doing that, and so they're shying away from using buy now pay later. The other the other problem with buy now pay later, I feel, is that um, unlike credit cards, which is revolving credit, buy now pay later has got to win the customer every time. Mm. So I, I I took to buy now pay later when I was getting a ten dollar uh, discount at eBay. So they basically paid me ten dollars to get a buy now pay later account, and you know why would I say no? It just mm. uh, added one minute to the checkout time. But the problem is, the next time I wanted to buy, I wasn't going to get uh, the ten dollar discount, and there was no incentive for me as a consumer to continue to use it. And that's the challenge with buy now pay later, right? They've got to win you every time you shop, whereas a credit card's with you for life. Mm, right. And and picking up on that, I think that's to the credit of of buy now pay later companies that we are not talking about revolving credit. Right, interest, interest, the interest that you accumulate on the debt is not cumulative. Whereas for a credit card, if you fail to make your minimum repayment or you fail to make you know, your total repayment for that month, that gets carried over across mm-hmm. different months. Whereas with buy now, pay later companies, if you fail to make the repayment, they will cut you off. Right? That's, that's their, their whole premise. If you fail to make a repayment, you are not paying the late fees, you are restricted from accessing that, the service of that particular company. Whereas with credit cards, you could enter into some kind of debt spiral because we, as we all know, uh, cumulative interest it can be a very positive force, but can also be a very negative force. That's mm. right. And I think that was one of the discoveries with Buy Now, Pay Later, that a lot of uh, consumers were racking up a, a significant amount of uh, debt. Not, not, not a lot, but a significant proportion of them. And, and that's where the regulators started to jump in. There were some incidents where people were unable to pay back their debt, and that, that raised the red flags in terms of debt. And that's why you've got the regulations that you, you have now. Yeah, and I can imagine it's very difficult to keep track of uh, how many services a particular client has, has signed up to. Right. If you're talking about more than 10 buy now, pay later companies, hypothetically, you could sign up to all 10 of them. Right, mm. and it's very difficult to track. Like, has the user that is applying to my platform from the buy now pay later company's perspective, has that user that is now applying for an account with my firm, have they signed up with uh, some of my competitors already or not? True. Or, you know, in general, as you were saying, Nikesh, what is their borrowing capacity? Yeah, and and in the early days, uh, they weren't doing credit checks, so um, all they were doing was just checking your ID, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't check your credit worthiness. And, and with credit cards, what you find is if you fly, apply for a credit card with one bank and then you go to another bank to apply for a credit card, they'll look up your credit history and they'll know that you've already got a credit card. Mm-hmm. With Buy Now, Pay Later, as you said, they could keep on racking up these uh, facilities uh, you know, without, without any checks and balances to ensure that um, the person could actually afford the amount they were borrowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
an interesting part of this, I think, when it comes to the consumer decisions is what people are spending their money on and where buy now, pay later fits into our you know consumer marketplace. People are using buy now, pay later to buy things like clothes and shoes and retail items and things like that. Thomas, what do you think that says about where buy now, pay later sits in the consumer marketplace. And I think it does also relate to, to sort of risk and this, and this racking up of, of debt for discretionary spending. Yeah, I think there's a lot of psychological elements to that. If you think about buy now, pay later, indeed, most of the purchases are for low value ad items. They make up the largest part of, of buy now, later payments. And I think there's there's some psychological clarification as to why buy now pay later has become so 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 dominant and why revenue has increased five, six X in the past few years. And so one is the instant gratification, right? You go on the app, it's a very friendly kind of interface uh, that you can use to essentially enter into a debt contract. The second one is um, loss aversion, right? So if you are allowed to return a product, that gives you a sense of security at the moment of purchase, but then when you have it, you're very unlikely to return it in any case, right? And initially, buy now, pay later companies also charged a late fee uh, even when you returned the items. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting things there. We'll talk about sort of that competition between credit cards and, and buy now, pay later and other, other forms of credit in that way. Are credit card companies concerned about the place of buy now, pay later, Nikesh? Do we have institutions here that have owned this this marketplace for such a long time now feeling threatened by, you know, this new tech world? Yeah, look, look, absolutely. I think I think the concern that um, the incumbents have is around level playing fields, uh, primarily. Um, you know, when credit cards were first issued, uh, if, if you look at the, the history, they would mail it out to anyone. And uh, if you had three bank accounts, you'd get three credit cards. Yeah, and they'd give you five hundred dollars credit back in the seventies, which was back then a lot of money. Mm. So very similar to what what you're getting with buy now pay later uh, today. But what what ended up happening was the regulators jumped on it, right? People racked up these big debts, as Thomas uh, you mentioned, and uh, you, you know the, the the banks trying to do the right thing. Number one, the regulators stepping in and um, you know uh, adding consistency meant that the process of getting a credit card was tightened. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so tightened to the extent where it's quite painful if you've ever tried to do it to apply for a credit card. You've got to mm. give your life history. You've got to give your balance sheet, all your assets and liabilities. You might as well apply for a loan, right? A, a home loan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's almost that hard. But on the other hand, buy now, pay later appeared to be a breath of fresh air for consumers. Right. Within within a minute, you could get you could get credit. Uh, and, and when you look at it and you start to think that actually these are the same things, the regulators are now jumping in into it. The banks are saying, well, hang on a second, regulators, you told us to do all this stuff and we're doing it. Now, here are some people that are doing the same thing and they're getting away with it. If you look at the responses that the banks have given to um, uh, you know, buy now, pay later regulation. It's along those lines. It's around you know. Uh, well, look, uh, if you if you're going to allow it and, and we're okay with it, um, we'd like to do it ourselves. By the way, make it a living pl- level playing field. So, the the rules that apply to credit cards should apply to buy now, pay later. Yeah, is this an unfair comparison though? Because the interest policies are different. It's 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 true. The buy now pay later um, organisations point that out. 
that they are different products. But from a from a debt point of view, they're equivalent. Look, uh, ultimately, economically, the buy now pay later organisations are recovering interest. They're doing it through other means, right? Either through getting the uh, fee from the merchant uh, service fee that they charge, or they're doing it by charging interest uh, if if uh, the customer doesn't pay their loan back in time. Mm, okay. Anything to add, Thomas, while we're at it? Yeah, I think the the, the entry of, of some of the big four banks and one of the banks in Australia entering the buy now, pay later scene is very, very interesting because what it does is it, is it adds competition and it also validates the business model of these buy now, pay later companies. If, if these very large incumbent, very dominant banks see merit in what buy now, pay later companies are doing, that tells you that tells you a great deal. And of course, you know these the banking industry is is much more regulated than the buy now pay later industry, and that may prove to be uh, an advantage of these incumbents because they are used to dealing with regulation and implementing that. True, and I think I think the really tricky thing that they're doing, and this is why I feel the banks will dominate this market, is they're converting credit cards to offer the buy now pay later option so mastercard and visa are offering this is part of their part of their offering you're seeing it like you said thomas with some of the banks uh, entering the market and and what they're doing there is they're saying okay look um, credit cards previously we used to charge you and you had to pay that back in a month all we're going to do now is rather than have you pay that back in a month we're going to allow you to pay that back over 4 months and for the extra time that you're using the money we're going to charge the merchant an extra fee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're offering a similar sort of service through the credit card regime, which I think I think that's quite interesting. I think when we talk about a younger a younger marketplace, a younger customer base that um, you mentioned earlier, Nikesh, younger people seem to take up you know these startups and things like that a lot more easily and they they haven't they haven't got any trust issues when it comes to that sort of thing but in terms of appealing to a broader and and, and especially an older marketplace having having visa or mastercard attached to your buy now pay later scheme seems a lot more trustworthy for a lot of people i want i want to just briefly mention also uh that apple are moving into the space is this just another form of validation for the industry thomas yeah i think so I think so. And I think Apple definitely is a force to be reckoned with. Like it's this this big gorilla entering the space with this big brand image, very low, high customer loyalty and a lot of capital behind it. Yeah, look, I think I think uh, it's a, it's a convenience thing really first and foremost. Um, you know, large merchants are able to offer it themselves directly. By Apple getting into it it means that smaller merchants, small players can just integrate it with it without implementing anything. Mm. And and Apple for their part are able to and they've done this a lot, but Apple is able to successfully get more money and contribute to their trillion-dollar um, uh, market cap that we're seeing. <laughs> okay, let's move on to regulation. What is the current situation, Thomas? How are these buy now, pay later organisations regulated? Um, so in Australia, they are not regulated as usual credit providers are, right? So recently, there was this voluntary code of conduct that was signed by I think eight of the buy now, pay later companies. Early on, there were two wins for the industry. So in 2020, there was a Senate inquiry um, which, which said that customers don't ha- need to have legal protections when they engage in these services. Mm. Right? So that was a win for the buy now, pay later uh, companies. But regulatory efforts have star- had started already in 2018. But so far, there's no hard 
strict regulation for these types of companies. Mm. And I think I think that's one of the problems because the regu- regulations over the years have become quite extensive for credit cards, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in the beginning there was nothing. Uh, now we've got, um, you know, you've you've got to have responsible lending. You've got to do proper checks. The the other the other one that I think um, you know a, a lot of missing is uh, the e payments code of con- conduct. Uh, you know, so what happens when a, a false payment's made? You know, someone steals your details. They're using buy now pay later. All that's all quite complicated, and um, you know, I think for consumers, it's still it's still a little bit of the wild west that it was when buy now pay later first came out. What what's regulation trying to achieve here, and how how will, how will it protect people, and what sort of an impact do you think it will have, Thomas? Yeah, I think I think the regulation should focus on clarifying that buy now pay later payments is in fact a debt product, is a consumer finance product, just to make sure that you know you are transparent about what you are providing mm. as a company. Okay. Um, the second thing is sufficient and appropriate checks, credit checks. It is mentioned in the voluntary code of conduct that was signed by uh, some of these uh, BMPL companies, um, but it's not um, uh, molded into the law just yet. When we make a comparison between buy now, pay later and credit cards, the two things that stand out to me is the interest difference and the volume of spend difference because people take on massive tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt and they have it you know rolling over in monthly cycles with bank loans all sorts of things are involved in it to me buy now pay later is you know $500 $1000 you know a bit of extra money to buy some shoes or whatever it might be at the end of the day if you don't um check the credit of those of those individuals and they're taking on that risk and the buy buy now pay later companies are also happy to take that take on that risk as well. What's what's adding a level of regulation going going to do? I mean, who are who are we protecting here, Nikesh? Yeah, so I think I think number one, we're protecting the consumer. Number two, we're ensuring the integrity of the lending system. Mm. So that's that's really important from a monetary policy point of view that um, uh, financial institutions are able to uh, you know lend responsibly. And from a consumer point of view, it means you're not taking on too much debt that you can't pay back. And I think there's another there's another angle that's being missed here, you know, by the industry, uh, in that uh, the credit checking is actually not an exact science. So there are these credit bureaus, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the way it works today is that if you apply for a home loan or a credit card, there's a human being that looks at that and. Um, if, if if you're a young student and you're trying to get a credit card, you you apply at the bank. Um, you know they'll just say, "Look, your numbers are no good. I'm not even going to go to the credit uh, bureau because if if I do a check and um, I don't give you the card, then you'll get a negative point." Mm. What's happening with buy now pay later is that they're going to have to do that for everyone, and so a lot of young people are going to find that. Um, they're racking up a lot of these um, checks on their credit history, and that'll be negative for them when they really need the money for something substantial, mm. uh, like a car loan or a home loan or you know a credit card. I think that's going to be problematic getting it to that level because it's not going to be a human assessment; it's going to be a machine assessment. Mm. Is there anything else that you think should differ about how buy now pay later is regulated going forward as compared to credit cards, or do we do we sort of put them in the same basket? You know, look, there are a few things. So uh, we saw with credit cards the 
merchant um, uh, service fee that was charged uh, was was excessive, according to our regulators and according to the merchants. We're gonna we're gonna see similar um, reactions over time in buy now pay later, and there may be some tightening of that. Right, so you know the regulators might step in and say, hey, you can't charge that much, um, particularly when you've got organisations that are probably going to make a uh, you know get the monopoly of buy now pay later like Apple. You know, like the banks. Mm. So I think I think that's 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 one thing that could change. Credit checking is, um, as you said, an an obvious one, and also the e payments code. So this is the code that allows you to dispute a payment mm, okay. right, or dispute a charge. Okay, yeah. Thomas. Anything to add to to that in terms of where regulation should go? Yeah, I think more generally, consumer protection is a is a it should be high on the agenda and building consumer protection in line with how credit cards are regulated. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think the industry, you know, is, is welcoming to that idea as well. Okay. Let's finish off. We don't have long left, but where do we see this going, Nikesh? It hasn't even been around for a decade and it's only really been adopted across the board in the last sort of five years. Where do you see by now pay later fitting into the the credit system, you know, in 10 years from now? I think there are, there are a couple of things that were really great lessons uh, out of this. Number one is the need for credit. I think that could morph into merchants providing direct credit okay. uh, to their consumers. Right. The other thing that was really interesting was the surcharge that they were able to charge. Right. So merchants were, were complaining, as I said, about the surcharge that credit card companies were charging. 4% was nothing for buy now, pay later if they were getting more services. So I think we're going to see a lot more services offered to merchants, and merchants are going to be willing to pay that if they're able to get a better consumer connection. So there's going to be a lot more innovation, I think, um, on the payment front to allow you know people to more more easily pay, get better access to funds, uh, and alternate funding like um, you know merchants providing the credit themselves. Mm, interesting, Thomas. Anything to finish off in terms of where you see it going? Yeah, I think put more generally, if you look at the entire landscape, there will be some consolidation going forward. So some of these businesses will succeed, others will not. It's just a matter of fact in, in emerging industries mm. still, if you look at any industry, over time you see fewer and fewer players, more concentration of activity, and especially in the current environment with higher cost of living, higher interest rates. So it's going to be more difficult for these uh, companies to raise funds as well. So their cost of funds will go up decreasing their their margins, decreasing their profitability even further. Um, so you will see the emergence of a few of fewer but bigger um, players. And when it comes to regulation, I think that will also play a large a large part in where this industry is going. Um, an outright ban, I think, is definitely not not a good outcome um, because access to finance is an important type of service to the general public because it helps people to tide over temporary shortfalls in um, in, in in cash inflows in cash and higher cash flow volatility of, of households. Hmm. Absolutely. All right, gents. Well, it's fascinating. We could probably sit here and talk for a lot longer because there are a lot of aspects to the um, industry and it's it's really, really great to, to get both your opinions and perspectives on where Buy Now Pay Later is going. Thank you so much for joining me on Think Business Futures. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guests, Thomas Mattis and Nikesh Lalchindani. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. 
I'm your host, Stefan Postuma, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.